Welcome to We Grow California with your hosts, Darcy Villery and Darcy Burke, a safe place where we discuss water, agriculture, and everything that makes California grow. We have guests from those who just drink water to those that make water policy, all passionate about the water issues that face all Californians today. Join the conversation by liking, subscribing, and visiting our website, wegrowcalifornia.com. Let's get the conversation started. Welcome in, everyone. We're glad to have you back to We Grow California. You know, Darcy, we've been talking a lot about innovation over the different podcasts we have. And, you know, necessity is the mother of innovation, if that's at least what they say. I think it's really important that um, our listeners hear from a variety of options. I have been fortunate enough to know some great farming families over the year in California. And then, you know, um, personally, a fourth generation farmer in North Dakota. And really, farmers know how to do more with less. I think that's the best way I can put it, less water, less resources, less impact. You know, there truly are the our nation's first environmentalists. So when we had a project like a previous podcast where we interviewed the general manager, Rick Shintaku of um, South Coast Water District, we talked about new and innovative ways for ocean desalination. That's why I'm really excited about today as we welcome in Greg Pruitt, who's the sales and energy manager at Ingemar Packing Company. Um, Ingemar is a processing and packing premium, they process and package, I'm sorry, premium tomato paste and diced tomatoes. They're located in, I'm going to say, the heart of California, Las Banas, California, since 1983. And I think Greg's here to talk about something that is super exciting to me as a drinking water um, urban director, which is how they take um, and recapture condensate in their process to make drinking water and partnered with a company, I think it's Botanical Water Technologies, Greg, um, that helped yes. you do that. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about that? Okay. Um, so as you as you mentioned, uh, Ingemar Packing Company is uh, one of the world's largest tomato processors. Uh, we're completely an industrial processor. Uh, we fill 300-gallon bins and 55-gallon, essentially, oil drums full of tomato paste and diced tomatoes. Everything that we manufacture is for, um, is used as an ingredient by our customers in their uh, processing, whether or not they're making ketchup or pasta sauce or frozen pizzas, uh, tomato juice, things of that nature. So we don't have a store brand or anything. You're not gonna find uh, Ingemar pasta sauce or everything we do is in, on an industrial scale and um wholesale you mean right right greg you're a wholesaler to other uh, people who pack the the product right? yeah we, we we produce an ingredient um oh, that okay. our customer that our customers use in further processing so just tomato paste and diced tomatoes uh ingemar is uh, grower owned so we're uh, majority owned by a, a few different uh, tomato farming families uh my family's farming company is the largest owner. So I have a good exposure to the world of both processing and farming or growing. Um, so, you know, we're very plugged into what's going on um, in the water world, uh, you know, from a regulatory perspective, from a meteorological perspective. And it's something that, you know, we really have to keep our fingers um, on the pulse of. So, yeah, with Botanical Water, we got uh, started with them. Um, so they are an Australian 
based company. Uh, they have this technology that's pretty awesome. Uh, they have these uh, units called a water harvesting unit. And essentially, their, um, uh, their idea is that, you know, with, with all types, uh, many different types of fruit and vegetable processing, there is condensate or, you know, essentially water that is being released or produced during that process. And their idea was to um, find a way to capture that water and uh, uh, turn it into something that could be reused as opposed to it essentially just being a, a byproduct and a, a waste. Uh, and so their, their idea, you know, based on all of the uh, processing facilities in the world, essentially, they think there's a, a three trillion liter uh, market, essentially, or a pool of available water available globally, you know, and that's kind of theoretical. What if every plant in the world was using something like this? Um, yeah, I always feel like, especially in California, with as many processing plants we have, we do so much in food, you know, there's yeah. nine tomato processors. And I was thinking to myself, because how many different uh, juice processors there are in the state, you know, there's a lot of condensate that, you know, cook down to concentrate. There's a lot of condensate that could be captured, right? Yes. And and that's why, you know, we're really excited. We're the first, um, the first facility in the United States to partner with Botanical Water Technologies or BWT. And we, uh, yeah, so we in 2022 our processing season we worked with botanical water and installed a water harvesting unit and we you know it's really this first year was really a proof of concept just to make sure okay can this work what kind of water you know uh, what can we do with the water is there a market for the water um is does the technology work with our system you know we had to there were a lot of things that needed to be ironed out. Um, and I guess if I step back a little bit, um, just to kind of describe how it works. So when a tomato comes into our facility, it's about, give or take, 95% water and 5% uh, tomato solids. So in our process, when we're making tomato paste, we evaporate a large percentage of that water out and we concentrate the juice mm -hmm. into tomato paste. Okay. So the water that's evaporated out of the tomato during that process is called condensate. And so botanical water technologies, their tech allows us to recapture that condensate, filter it, uh, use their proprietary technology. Um, I'm not too well versed on exactly what's going on, but um, it then filters that water and makes it available for a, a wide variety of applications. Um, it was a pretty natural fit for us. We're very sustainability, uh, sustainably minded. Um, yeah, I was going to say, this is a pretty risky, I mean, given, uh, sorry, not to catch up, but like capturing steam, because that's what we're talking about, right? Capturing steam from the processing it feels, I mean, it's risky in that sense. It's, it's not a small amount of money from what I've read and, mm -hmm. and yet you guys wanted to do it. And I was kind of curious, is, is it, 
like you said, is it your your bent towards sustainability that uh, inspired you to take this risk? Because it's a it's a crowded market for for water out there, really. You know. Yeah, it just seemed something that was on the cutting edge, and we know that sustainability is not only important to us, but becoming uh, increasingly important to our customers. And you know, we work with some of the largest. Uh, consumer package, good customers in the world um, and, you know, food companies. And so they, uh, we knew that this would be a, appealing to our base. And, you know, tomato paste has essentially over the years become increasingly commoditized. And, you know, our competitors, tomato paste versus our tomato paste, you know, assuming it's the same product and the same specification, you know, it, it's really, uh, like I said, become commoditized. So we need to find ways and continue to find ways to separate ourselves and uh, give our customers more of a reason to buy from us. So there's that angle, but then there's also the angle of, uh, you know, our, uh, you know, water is a very scarce uh, resource. Uh, there are a lot of uh, communities in our region that are, uh, you know, have, have water issues, you know, not only just from a farming perspective, but from a community and residential, you know, drinking water perspective. So there, there were a lot of, um, a lot of compelling reasons to, to take the risk. And, you know, it was, uh, so the, the unit itself, the water harvesting unit is really cool. It's, essentially housed in a 40 foot shipping container. So the idea is eventually that, um, so, you know, with our tomato season only being 90 days long, that's only uh, we're 90 to hundred days. There's only a 90 to hundred day window for us to, you know, essentially produce this water. So the idea is that these machines are kind of modular and portable though, the water harvesting units, so in theory, down the road, you park it at our facility for 100 days, and then you can go to a, a fruit processor or take it somewhere else and really get uh, get as m most the most bang for your buck. And along yeah, I think the same not everybody line, appreciates you can't turn a, a one processing plant into another processing plant, right? Yeah, like a exactly. Tomato processing plant is a tomato processing plant. Like it, we do a lot of variability in a or getting, I think farming in general is getting more flexible all the time, but there's certain, certain things that just don't, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. And we, we very much have to remember that tomato processing is our, uh, you know, bread and butter. That's the business we're in. And there were some risks with, you know, having to use company resources on figuring out all the plumbing, uh, figuring out how this machine or this unit was going to fit on our footprint and, making all of these efforts in a way that uh, resulted in, in, you know, minimal or no disruptions to our operation. Um, just for example, that one of the hardest engineering feats with this unit was, you know, the condensate that comes from the tomato is very hot. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the exact temperatures, but we had to kind of get creative with, okay, we have this condensate. It's uh going to you know condense into water and then we needed to figure out a way to 
cool that water down enough to where it could uh, you know, meet the criteria of the water harvesting unit itself. And that was, again, kind of an engineering challenge that we had to work through. So it, it really was, um, you know, kind of a, a risky endeavor that we just felt was worthwhile from a few different perspectives to pursue. So Greg, I got to jump in here because I got a million questions, especially being um, an urban water director. So, you know, the energy component of cooling that water or capturing the heat, is, is that part of this process? And then what's the water quality like of what what your end harvest looks like? Because it's great to say it helps drinking water, but drinking water is to a whole nother level of standards that is not necessarily affluent or what we would call recaptured water. So can you help me understand that? Yeah, so we are actually in the process, um, and I'm not, uh, you know, the the regulatory uh, world is somewhat foreign to me, but you hit the nail on the head. You know, if you're going to be uh, classified as drinking water, that that is a whole different ball game. And so we're in the process of, uh, I believe it's the Title Twenty Two. It is. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. So we are working on, you know, we're engaged with the state right now, or, you know, the various agencies. Um, we're close to getting our basically drinking water Permit. classification, which is a huge step. Yep. Uh, we have to do a few more uh, tests. And so, you know, we're, we'll likely have to start up the unit this season and just, you know, have, to have a few more boxes to check. But, um, yeah, we're really excited because that's, that's the big step that we need uh, or the hurdle we need to clear in order to really get the uh, project off the ground, so to speak, and get the water into the hands of people that need it. So I'm very excited about that process. I've been very involved personally in Title 22 regs that rewrite the development of them. Um, and really it's all about ensuring public health. So it's encouraging me to hear that you're going through that process. Um, I think the fact that you have committed as a value, either sustainability or resiliency, however you want to look at that, really sets you apart as a value proposition just as a business, right? If we're, you know, you're doing good things for your community, but as we have spoken to other people throughout this podcast, different times, consumers have a choice. And telling your story, even through to your customers who then sell or produce something to the end user, it, I think is so important. And that is really something that I don't think enough companies do, whether they're processors or you know even um, how they distribute. They don't always have that opportunity to tell that story. So what? how are you getting that message out, not just to your customers, but to the end user about this investment? This is an investment. This just didn't, you know, yes, water falls from the sky, but it doesn't get delivered to a tap that way. So how are you making that value proposition known? Um, a few different things. And, you know, this is still very uh, new territory for us. Um, so we're working, you know, the whole thing's a joint venture with uh, Botanical Water Technologies. And we are working with them to kind of jointly market our uh, uh, our efforts here. And, you know, there's a few different um, 
you know, a few different ways that we can use the water we're generating. Um, you can, you know, supply water to communities in the surrounding regions, you know, really important in the Central Valley and uh, some other, you know, water scarce regions and areas that have processing facilities where this technology could conceivably be developed. Um, you can use it for replenishment, you know, right back into the aquifer. And yeah. something that I think I'm kind of most excited about personally, you know, we work with uh, a lot of large global food companies that are very interested in sustainability. You know, everybody, any company of that size has some type of, you know, vice president of ESG or, yep. you know, <laughs> it's, it's all becoming very uh, you know, it's always been important, but it's becoming prioritized by these large companies. And, you know, you hear about uh, carbon neutrality and carbon offsets and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. But now kind of entering the, the lexicon is, you know, water neutrality and how can a, a large food company or any kind of company become water neutral. So one way to do that is, uh, if a you know company X wanted to purchase uh, some of our water and then donate it to a, a community or a nonprofit that was going to distribute the water, uh, that would be a way to you know give them a water credit and uh, show that you know show to their customers how important water is and sustainability and you know that helps uh, you know that helps the food company that would potentially help a company like ourselves where that gives us gives those companies another reason to uh, work with us and purchase from us uh, it, it tells a great story kind of reinforces our um, commitment to stand to sustainability uh, you know something that has been important to us for a while uh, you know this is certainly not our first uh, foray into something sustainable. We have a very large uh, wetlands uh, water uh, operation that is how we deal with our uh, tomato wastewater, which is, you know, that's a almost a whole different podcast. It, that um, is a different podcast. I was just thinking that we'll have to have you back. We, could, we should one. have you back to talk about that somewhere, Greg, because we talk yeah, about everything water, it, you know. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, we have solar power and, you know, you guys know all about the uh, proliferation of drip irrigation. And mm -hmm. um, so it's, this is not something out of the blue for us. It felt natural. Uh, and we're just, we're really proud of it. And again, you know, uh, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket, so to speak. There's what we did this year is really just a, a proof of concept. So with our one water harvesting unit right now, we can produce about, um, 120,000 gallons of uh, water per day. Um, so over the course of a you know 90, 100 day season, that comes out to you know almost 11 million gallons of water that we just through one unit, through our process can be uh, created. And I, I think it's pretty cool that- um, Well, you said proof of concept. Is this something you're you're gonna potentially add even more units then? Potentially, yeah. Um, oh wow! I thought maybe this was handling all you could handle, but I no, because it's. Awesome I mean, it's. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but you know, this 
it's they're dealing with a, a fraction of our condensate right really now. oh wow yeah so this is you know th this is scalable these units are modular um you know we have to again be very careful with uh what our you know we need to make sure that you know if we were to add a second mm -hmm. unit so to speak that our um that are, you know didn't disrupt our process um in in terms of you know producing tomato paste and diced tomatoes but it's something that is you know we, we need to okay get a, a large customer of ours to sign up to buy some water which is we're working right now to really publicize our efforts we had that nice uh public relations push uh towards the end of the summer when we um you know, had the the ribbon cutting, and we had a state senator out on site. When um, some news, you know, uh, agencies picked it up, um, and we're just trying to you know continue that momentum. And uh, you know, this was never uh, we didn't do this to become uh, you know a profit center for us. This was always more about the kind of wanting to be on the cutting edge um, and just wanting to do what we can from a sustainability mindset to, uh, you know, kind of help, help the region and, and, and just kind of take a positive step forward. And I know part of your, you know, the, just kind of um, reducing or uh, battling the stigma that the, uh, you know, big ag or farmers or, processing facilities are kind of the enemy in terms of water use and conservation. And um, we're just trying to help do our part to show that we, um, you know, we, we care as well. And it's something that's really important to us. So I want to just put a few little things in, in context, Greg, because we do have a lot of urban listeners. So all those numbers about how many thousands of gallons or millions of gallons you produce or whatever really in your in your pilot test and that's what i'm gonna call it your pilot project here it was really about enough water for 34 families for a year so for a small community that that's huge right so as you expand that operation you know that that's a that can be a critical mass and that can make it or break it for some of the smaller communities especially throughout the central valley and um you know I usually preach even from the dais that I sit on that it's about being efficient with the water you have, not wasting it. Um, I want to build a community that's not only resilient, but it has the ability for abundance and thriving. And you can't do that if all you're ever doing is trying to do without. So the fact that you're producing another community benefit besides jobs, besides economic drivers, besides those things, I think is is very admirable. I appreciate the fact that you're willing to come and share your story with us today. We're definitely gonna have you back to talk about your tomato uh, processing water, not just your condensate. So um, is there any last words you'd like to share with our, our guests before um, well, I Well, thank you Darcy? very much for having us on, um, for having me on. I, I really enjoy what I do. I enjoy uh, talking about uh, our operation, our processing facility, our farming. Uh, I am very lucky that I have a career and a job where I can work and enjoy it and work to 
uh, you know, work with my dad and uncle and cousin and, you know, all of our other great employees and just feel like I'm, um, you know, doing something meaningful. And part of that work is our projects like this. Um, we're working on a, working with the company to help kind of quantify some of the things we're doing from a sustainability perspective and put that out into the world in a, a brochure or a report, if you will, that, you know, we've been doing, like I mentioned, a lot of sustainability, sustainably minded things. We just kind of been doing a disservice to ourselves by not having the data, not being able to really tell that story. So that's something we're working on. And yeah, anytime I'd be happy to talk about our, um, our wetlands facility or just the tomato processing world in general, um, farming, it's, it's all, it's all good stuff. So thank you very much. Thanks, Greg. You've been, we've been speaking with uh, Greg Pruitt, the sales and energy manager at Ingemar Packing. Look up Ingemar Packing online. And then hopefully someday, I think, right, uh, Greg, look for potentially their water in the grocery stores with the help of botanical water technologies. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. You've been listening to a We Grow California podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or would be interested in being a guest, please check out our website, wegrowcalifornia.com. Sound and audio engineering provided by postandjam.com.